Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. To set phasers, a festive podcast edition. A very special episode of set phasers. You are in quite the good spirits, my friend. Someone is very festive today. It is tis the season of Sukal. Sorry, I, I I didn't have any music to add to that. Whatever, fine. Well, I'll do it for myself. Stardate 312-27.4. Welcome to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Today we are discussing episode 11 of season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Mysteriously Sukal. Indeed. An episode in which everything that could go wrong does go wrong. It's great. It was like the, the episode it's at Christmas. Wonderful. The gift that keeps on giving was it, this episode. It wonderful. Was, that's right. It was the giving yeah. tree. It was it was the Christmas carol. Uh, I just, I mean, there's so much that happens. Our answers are, our questions are getting answered, and yet... We have more questions. We are being thrown for a loop, right? More questions. Well, I sip coffee from my Set Phasers brand mug, and I say, let us run it down. Oh, you enjoy that, don't you? It's time to run it down. I do. Can you run it down for me? Yes, it is Sunday afternoon, and we uh, we took a break from our usual schedule because Friday was Friday was Christmas, Christmas and you know most yes, Yuletide. Even though we were celebrating it socially distanced, one had too much eggnog to consider doing a show on Friday. Yes, and one also after after dark had too much eggnog. Far too much eggnog. Yes. It, with, it wasn't the eggnog, actually. Did you have eggnog, too? It was the bourbon. I did. I had eggnog, I, yes. Do you have yours with bourbon? I have mine with bourbon and cinnamon, and this year... Oh, delightful. Mexican chili powder? Hmm. I don't know. I was just pulling things out of the cupboard. I did mine with Kahlua and dark rum. Oh, that's not bad at all. Quite delightful. Look at you. Hmm. I wish you would share that recipe with me. Hmm. It was what I had in the Well, fridge. now I'll get all the knockoff eggnog. Now that the season has passed, I'll get all the discount <laughs> eggnog from CVS or oh, something. Some Kahlua. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll have a, yeah, it was nice. a joyous New Year's Give Eve. It a little, yes. Okay, okay. A little something extra there. To anyway, the show, we, to we the digress. Show. All right, so we begin episode 11 precisely where episode 12, uh, episode 10 rather, left off. We begin with Giorgio's Wake and... Uh, Gray returns. These are some interesting things. Like it's a lot of like, uh, as we said, like untied together threads. Adira is standing there with Stamets, and then Gray returns, and Gray basically says, "Oh, I was feeling disconnected. I didn't know how to be because I'm not quite human, but I'm not quite a shadow, and only you can see me." And then they're like, "Well, we're going to deal with this together." But then the computer alerts everyone to the fact that 
they've gotten some information from the Kiev that that uh, Kelpian ship that was that maybe was at the origin of the burn uh, 150 years ago or something like that. And uh, there appears there appears to be a life sign on the Kiev. And they're all thinking, who's it? The doctor? How could they have lived that long? And Saru goes, ha 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 ha. The marks on Dr. Isa's head that you thought were radiation? Oh no. They are an indication that she was pregnant. So who remains? The child. Yes. So. Is that a dun dun dun? The baby. Uh, so. Disco decides to go to the Veruba Nebula. They fly out there. They head in. There's like a 200 kilometer kilometer storm. Kilometer? I don't know. I'm American. And there is... <laughs> I don't know how to say these words. Convert that to miles and then let's uh, start again. A 1.17... 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. Grabbles. Okay. It's a lot of parsecs. So... <laughs> They head in there. They try to fly in. It's pretty crazy. They can't get there. The ship starts coming apart. So Book decides, hey, you know what? I'll go in there and use my sk- my ship as a scout. You can. Yeah, go ahead. You want to use the Are bookie? To- Why not? Ah, uh, yeah. Looks like Discovery's having a little trouble with this radiation and ion storm. Thank God I'm here. Happy to jump in there and be your scout. Not to worry. I'll come right back. Oh yeah. Yes. And so the whole bridge crew sings that song, and then Book <laughs> winks, and he teleports to his ship. Uh, and so... Book is able to fly in because his ship has like fancy morphing stuff so it can change its shape so it can move around through all the stuff. Disco jumps out and Book is able to find uh, like a pocket, the planet, and a pocket where Disco could jump in so he can send back those coordinates. But his radiation is like off the charts and he basically passes out and the autopilot has to take over. But he'll be fine. Culber says not to worry, just needs to spend a couple hours doing the like the treatment. The data shows that the Kieth crashed into a planet. Sure, that makes sense. But the planet is made of dilithium. Sorry, I wasn't yeah. sure about that one. No, I wasn't sure either. I just thought we'd go for it. So they're like, the source of the burn is a planet made of dilithium. That's weird. A planet? A planet? That's a lot a of dilithium. Then we hit the credits. Okay, so mm. thankfully, I was kind of worried about this. Saru does report it to Vance. Uh, and Vance is like, listen, if you can safely recover the Kelpian or, or the life sign and you can figure out what's going on with this planet, then go ahead and do it. But you should know that the Emerald Chain is flying towards the Kelpian planet and they're going to do some military exercises over there. And Saru, uh, indicative of the fact that he's having a little trouble letting go, is like, we can go there now. And he's like, wait a second, don't you remember that's how they lured Book out? So I think you should stay on task. And Vance is like, we'll take care of the planet. Okay, but then Saru decides he's going to be on the away team. So, it's the away team is going to be Saru, Michael, because she's a xenoanthropologist. She seems to know, the anthro doesn't really work because that means human, but whatever. She's a xenobiologist and also does sociology and culture of aliens. And... 
Dr. Culber because of all the crazy radiation. They're going to fly down there. And before they go, Michael confides in Book that she's worried about Saru's objectivity. Uh, and Hugh tries to, uh, has to basically explain to Samus that he's got to go, that he feels like in this new future, he has a purpose after having been lost. And let me tell you something. I want to go on the record right now. If Dr. Culber dies, Again? I will. I will wear black <laughs> for a full year. <laughs> I will never recover. I don't think they uh, let him go. I really hope not. He's no. uh, just a joy. He's the he's Jillian, the he's the cream in the Oreo. Yeah, he's like the he's the glue, the glue. that holds everyone together. The glue. Uh, so Tilly and Michael talk, and Michael gives Tilly some advice because Saru's going to be gone, and guess who's got the con? None other than Tilly herself. So Tilly, who's first mate, who's number one, first officer, she will have the con. And so Michael gives her some advice, and she says to Tilly, "You belong in that chair, Tilly." So Disco jumps into the pocket. The radi- radiation levels go through the roof. The away team beams down. They jump back out because it's going to take three hours to repair the shields. They need to be back in four hours or the away team will die. So that's the basic plan. What could go wrong? Nothing. After the transport, and this is why I said this is the most jacked up hollow deck episode ever. Uh, Michael is a trill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hugh is Bajoran. And Saru is he's human. He's Doug Jones, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I always love uh, episodes of Star Trek where the people who have to wear the huge prosthetics are, you get to see Revealed. the real faces. Yeah. And they're like acting and they act. You're like, whoa, that's their voice, but it's not coming out of a seven mm. and a half foot tall alien. Anyway. Did you notice though uh, with him that even when he was human, he still walked. He did that thing yes. with his hands yeah, yeah. behind he, that. He did the physicality, which I thought was a brilliant choice. Mm. But so then you wonder whether it's innate as you a think habit. Doug or Jones just walks around like that. Maybe, no, I just I meant the character. Thank you so much. Oh yes, yeah. he, I think even though that. your physicality changes, you still you don't know. You thought oh maybe it was like involuntary because of the Kelpian body, but maybe yeah, it's just like a you know, muscle thing. Yeah, just the know. way you you walk. There was that cool Wiggle moment walk, when they're you know? when they're in the they first go into that weird tower and they're looking down and Saru says, does, do humans have an adverse reaction to heights? Because my heart is pounding because I guess as a Kelpian heights don't terrify him. But as a human, he was like, he was, he was having a physiological response. So I don't know. Interesting questions. I'm sure they're really answered. We have plenty of time. Anyway, they're walking around. It's a weird, they're in a forest. They run into a, Hollow program that's talking about how to repair replicators. It's kind of on the fritz. It says it's used for training. They head to the tower. Once they get into the tower, their clothes have changed again. So if this is a holodeck program, it's very advanced because it's able to change their appearance, not only their appearance, but what they're actually wearing, I think, because they lose their equipment. They don't have their medicine that they brought down with them for the radiation, and they don't have their tricorders or anything. So they're kind of just wearing what the program has put upon them. Uh, They see an area that looks like an interesting ritual. There's a barred door, and they find a Kelpian. But as soon as they start talking to the Kelpian, the door, bang, 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 jangles, and the Kelpian's really freaked out, and they think it's the kid, the child, if you will. And they realize when the Kelpian runs away that he must have grown up alone in these programs, just on a holodeck, that this was a world 
and he might know, he might know nothing but the program. And so he's probably uh, somewhat socially stunted in terms of his growth. And I don't think, I wonder if the child whose name we find out is the name of the episode, Sukal, has gone through Vaharai or not. It's never really discussed. Yeah, that's not really revealed. Mm-hmm. So, Survivor runs away. They're going to treat it as first contact because he's probably had no real social interaction other than holograms. Um, the door opens and smoke comes out and the Kelpian runs. Saru and Hugh will follow the Kelpian and try to make contact. And Michael, of course, is going to take on the monster because she crazy. <clears throat> Meanwhile, on Disco, Samus is leading the charge to fix all the shields and they hear something from the team, but it's kind of weird and garbled. And then they find out that there's a ship approaching, but the ship won't respond to hails. It's Federation, apparently, and it's 10 minutes away. Back down to the crazy planet. They interact with some holograms. The holograms say, are you the anticipated input, the rescue? Say they have been taking care of the child and their appearances have been changed so as not to alarm the child because it has only experienced the types of, of, uh, of, of creatures, the races that exist within the program. Meanwhile, M battles the monster. It looks kind of like a Kelpian, but with like kelp, shadow, mist, tendrils spinning off of it and so on and so forth. And she tries to communicate and it almost works, but then it freaks out and chases her and she runs back into the tower and then she falls off a ledge and then she falls up. And that's weird. Meanwhile, back on the ship, they find out by looking at the ships, like the what's going on around the ship, not the ship itself, but like it's it's whether or not it's cloaked or has some kind of disguise that it's not Federation. And it's using a trans warp tunnel and it's Osiris ship. And there's a face off. And then both ships go dark. They go, they go cloak because everyone can cloak now. Cloak is the thing. So Michael wakes up on the ground and she's with the Kelpian child, Sukal. And so she pretends to be a program that's supposed to teach him about social interaction. She finds out that he's scared of the outside. So Michael begins teaching him. Meanwhile, Saru and Hugh encounter a hollow of a Kelpian elder in what maybe is the living area. And they find a painting and that's how they discover that the child's name is Sukal, which means something like beloved gift, apparently a common name for Kelpians after a family has experienced a period of tragedy. It symbolizes the end of suffering. And yet I'm not sure this Sukal is going to be that kind of deal. They speak to the elder. It was created by Dr. Isa in order to raise Sukal. So Michael's talking to Sukal, meanwhile, wherever she is. And every time she asks him about the outside or about family or whatever, he freaks out. She pretends to reset. He freaks out again. And then they start to, uh, real like, he runs away. And Michael's got radiating burns because it's been like two hours. And if they're there for too long, they're definitely going to die. And the elder tells Saru that when Sukal is afraid, he goes to the fortress. So Hugh goes to the fortress. Saru stays with the elder. He listens to a lullaby. He reads some of the things in the book. He finds the totems that are built to protect uh, Sukal from his fears because there is apparently a folkloric monster among the Kelpians called the Monster of Kelp. And it represents the greatest fears. And apparently Sukal has like sort of brought it into being somehow, interacting, uh, like, I don't know how to describe it, uh, intellectually with the, uh, the program. And it's created this monster. And if he doesn't confront this 
this idolon of his greatest fears, then the program will trap him there, and apparently also the entire away team. So back on the ship, things are going smoothly. Osira contacts Tilly, and we get a little bit of what I'd like to call Tilly time. Tilly, don't be silly. Tilly, space is wide. Clearly, it gets chilly. Tilly, it's your time. Oof, I really watched that sitcom of just Tilly. It does sound very fun. Discount. It sounds a bit like Tilly. Tilly's in charge of our days mm-hmm. and our exactly. lives. That it's one. like Tilly just solving problems, you yeah. know, everything's going haywire. And she's like, got to talk everyone out of there, which is basically what Tilly does. It's basically what happens in this uh, episode. It's just that life and death are on the line. So Osira calls Tilly, tries to intimidate her, but guess what? Tilly's been hanging out with Giorgio from the Mirror Universe for like a year and a half, so not intimidated. Uh, and uh, basically, she's like, listen, you're never going to take the ship or the crew or or our spore drive, so go teach your grandmother how to suck eggs. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael is down, uh, finds Sukal making totems, and Sukal, uh, like, the monster shows up, and then Sukal is upset that the monster is there, and then Hugh and and Saru show up, and, like, Saru is able to, like, uh, well, what happens is Sukal gets upset, and then, it's hard to describe, he, like, gets mad, and and some sort of shockwave bursts from him, and it bursts out from the planet, and through the nebula, and hits both ships, and knocks their cloaks out and causes their dilithium to go like unstable really quickly, really fast. And that's what everyone starts to sort of realize. Uh, is Sukal the reason for the burn? Possibly. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, yeah. You know what? Let's, let's take that back again. And that's when everyone realized that maybe Sukal is the reason for the burn. <laughs> that was fantastic yeah that Gosh, was we did great yeah. that was wonderful i didn't you, you, you know <laughs> we're right here sometimes okay so uh um the disco is not ready to jump their shields are still totally jacked up and osira has locked weapons once they're all they all appear and tilly's tell stamets all right here's what we got to do you got to get into the spore cube shields are at 54 percent. we got to jump away once again Oh yeah. Book says, Hey, I'll jump in there and find out what's going on with the away team. And I'll, and I'll fly them back here while you guys, you know, jump away and repair your shields because you can't stay here. And Osiris got her guns aimed at you. So book once again, jumps on the ship. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to anybody, Adira has a plan and she goes over, she, they go over to jet and say, can I use your comm badge for a plan? It's not really clear what happens here, but somehow Adira ends up on Book's ship. I guess Adira used the combat to trans to like do a personal transport to Book's ship. Yeah, I guess. I'm not sure why Adira needed Reno's badge, but yeah, I didn't. Maybe because Reno was in the lab, and Reno was the next was was close by to say, "Hey, can I borrow your combat so I can transport?" Does Adira not have their own badge? I feel like Adira does have their own badge, although I can't remember right now, but maybe it's like a security clearance. The point is Adira has a plan. And so we don't know exactly what Adira's plan is, but they think that everyone will die 
if the plan is not enacted. Meanwhile, back on the planet, Saru began singing the lullaby to Sukal, which causes Sukal to calm down. And they almost have a moment of connection, but then calm as he is, Sukal just leaves, just runs away. Meanwhile, Osira hails Tilly again. Tilly says she will self-destruct Discovery before letting Osira take the ship. Book clears the dock. Tilly orders the jump. But just as that happens, Emerald Chain fighters transport into the Spore Cube and prevent Stamets from getting his hands into this cool neurogel thing that Adira made. And then they put things on his thing and make his eyes go white like that time he was crazy inside the, the what do you call it, mycelial network. And then the ship, like Osiris' ship sends these weird tethers not unlike the um what the kelp monster had very kelp oh, monster-esque yeah. mirrors, mirrors you must face your fear anyway um that will go well in the, the podcast edit by the way mirror mirror <laughs> well listen i apologize for you you just kind of let me off <laughs> the emerald chain so i do whatever i want don't and, say the emerald chain you, you, because then I do that and I should not, we should not use this too liberally. You'll never break that emerald chain. Oh, yeah. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> You'll never break me. <laughs> You'll never break me. I'm the emerald chain. Okay, so, so well Book heads into space. He gets into the like area around the planet. He's able to talk to the away team. Apparently, Sukal's outburst was like the burn. Everyone's wondering if he caused it. Culber suggests that the radiation and et cetera has altered Sukal, maybe in utero, being in that planet, trapped there with his family. But also there is some sort of, and I underlined this with red twice and put a question mark and an exclamation point, also some sort of trigger may have caused Cal to cause the first burn. Question, 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 question. So they got to leave because, you know, Discovery, Osira, but they have to stay because Sukal, the burn, destroy everything again, right? So Saru asked Michael to stay because she's the xenobiologist. But then Michael's like, I can't stay. You're the Kelpian. You got to stay. And Saru's like, I'm the captain. And Michael's like, listen, Tilly can take care of things. I'll be there to help Tilly. You got to prevent another burn from happening. And then Culber's like, I'm going to stay too because I know what it's like to be alone in a crazy world. So I'm staying around. And Michael says, all right, I'll come back for you. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, well, no, Michael says, I'll come back for you. And Culber says, if it takes more than a day, then there's no point in coming back. That's all you need to know. Meanwhile, on book ship, Adira shows up as a stowaway transports down to give the meds to the away team so that they can last. But when Michael transports up to book, they are not able to wait for Adira to return. So I think Adira is also still on the planet. I have no confirmation thereof, but I'm pretty sure we never saw Adira go back up to book ship. Michael and book fly like the wind back through the crazy uh, radiation and the storm and everything. And they get outside of the nebula just in time to see Osira take Disco and Spore Drive on out of there. Jump away with the ship. And that is the end of episode 11 of season three of Star Trek Discovery. Awesome. Suka. Suka.
anyway, pretty exciting stuff. It wasn't. It was incredibly exciting. There was just so much. And like, I loved seeing Bob, uh, Bob, Doug Jones. For the, Bob Jones. Not for the first time. We know what he looks like. But it's one of the rare times where he is seen on screen as himself. I think apparently he has been seen on screen as himself, but in sort of commercials and not really like big like screen productions or movie things features. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That was really cool. Uh, it's basically, I mean, they took the traditional holodeck episode and they ratcheted up the stakes like a billion percent because even in like uh, elementary, my dear, data from TNG, when Moriarty becomes sentient and starts taking over the ship, like those are, that's the holodeck episodes you love because they kind of, things, stakes get high. Um, yeah. This was holodeck, but not on the ship, plus super duper fancy holodeck that changes your clothes that you can't escape from, and it's broken, and they're trying to find someone who may or may not cause an intergalactic uh, calamity to happen. So, hurrah there. But also, uh, you get to see a Bajaran Culber, and you get to see a Kelp, uh, not Kelpian, uh, a Trill Michael. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting that they, it was just throwback to those races we used to see quite frequently. Um I don't know. I just don't know how this is. We only have two episodes left. Yeah. One on New Year's Eve and one on the 7th of January. And I'm just not sure how they're going to wrap this up. Obviously, I think the next episode is going to have to be Michael and Book. Oh, please tell me it's this. Michael and Book together secretly infiltrate Discovery and lead the 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 crew to take back over the ship as the ship has has black alerted back to Federation headquarters because there is a scene in the next time where we saw Osira in headquarters facing off with uh, Admiral Vance. I think it's going to be a pretty exciting episode. Yeah, what did you think of the, like, Osira and Tilly facing off? Oh, I for me, it was, like, very satisfying just because mm-hmm. I love Tilly so much. But uh, She was, she was clearly shaken. Like, it was a little bit of, like... Tilly? Yeah. No, I didn't get that. I think she... With the insecurity, you know, she poked at the insecurity of you're not captain material. And secretly, Tilly's still Tilly has that issue. I think she still feels like it. I personally feel like Tilly has been forged, hardened in the by Giorgio. I don't think Tilly is like deeply affected by those things. Obviously, you have to bluff a little bit, but I don't think she like was truly having a, a crisis of faith. She was like, listen, I will. No, look, I, I disagree all completely. All the way to my quotes. I disagree She completely. was like, I'll blow this ship up before I let you take it. Yeah, she, that, was bl- that was bluffing. But this is Tilly's first moment as acting captain. Wait, you think that was bluffing? Yeah. Well, it wasn't bluffing. It was posturing. Have... It was certainly posturing. I don't think she knew she posturing. was bluffing. But this is Tilly's first moment as acting captain. And she's, you know, having to face off with somebody. And then ultimately, she's going to lose the ship. And she's going to go, oh, this is my first time as acting captain. And I completely, you know, messed it up. Um, should you know? Should I but really then be the first? She's going to realize that she. I mean, listen. She's going to yes, turn it around later. Later, she'll turn it around. But right think, now, I think, I think she feels like a fraud. Mm, no, I think that's okay. too harsh. Tilly, um, a fraud. I re- I reject the premise of that theory. Well, sure, she's not the captain. She's definitely an ensign. She's worried about right. her position. But there's no question that she's she handled this. Better than, in my opinion, Saru would have handled it. 
I don't know if there was, a, is there another way it could have been handled? Well, there's, you know, it's about the two different, <laughs> I wasn't planning on complying here, but it's, oh, yeah. I feel like it really gets into the two different types of captaining, right? You've got your. Kapla <laughs> <laughs> corner. I'm trying um, to keep it as unranty as possible. Okay, fine. It's about the two different kinds of captaining. You got your Picard style, diplomatic, level-headed, thoughtful, but hard as nails when it comes down to it. And Saru is learning to be that kind of captain. He hasn't quite figured out the balance between I am all about figuring things out and how to when to be like the buck stops here, you know? As indicative, I mean, he's had Giorgio to lean back on as indicative of that second episode where he like tried to negotiate and things went on, you know, completely south. And had Giorgio not shown up and saved the day, things would have things would have gone critically bad. However, Tilly here, I feel like she strides the gap between that Picard style and what I have to call the Kirk style, which is like you're a poker player, mm. you know? It's not chess. It's a gamble. It's about posturing. It's about bluffing. It's about having the confidence. Now, is her confidence all the way locked in? I don't think so. But my confidence in her is all the way locked in. All right. And that's all. No. I mean, listen, this is, we'll see. We'll see in the next episode. I'm sure she's going to have her, her, her come to Kalish moment. But uh, I think that in the end, it's going to be Tilly needing her first officer, who I'm assuming will unofficially be Michael, to tell her that you belong, you know, reiterate what she said earlier in the episode, you belong in that chair. It's not the captain who's great when things are easy, but the captain who's great when things are hard that makes the greatest captain. Kapla. Kapla! That's all I have to say. That is fair. Yeah, I mean, totally reasonable. But we'll see. Maybe maybe she's going to fall apart. That would really break my heart, though, because I feel like Tilly should be made stronger from this experience. And I don't think Osiris punching at her, up, you know, at her weight class. I really feel like Tilly has, like, Osiris is psychotic, I guess. But she's not even close to Giorgio level. Giorgio level, really? Oh, I don't know. I'd love to see those two face off. I think that'd be a great I don't episode. Think that, would be a, that, that doesn't seem like a real fight. It would be fun, but Georgia, it would be only, it's only fun if Giorgio is having her weird like episodes and passing out because otherwise Giorgio murders everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy! Shall we move on? That would have been nice. It would have been nice if Giorgio was still there and she could have faced off with Osiris. But I think this was a Tilly moment. Yeah. We needed this Tilly time, if you will, Indeed. for Tilly to face off. You know. The crew is in her hands. Um, Culber, I hope he doesn't die. And um, final theory. I'm not going to use my keyboard to play tinfoil time. But obviously, I'm not. I said no. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just annoyed you still haven't sent it to me yet. Listen, still two episodes left. Let's get oh, yeah. into the yeah, theory. We've nearly done the whole season, and I haven't got in for Well, listen, it's not my fault. This this these series are twelve episodes long instead of twenty six. Okay, so <laughs> uh, Adira has beamed down to the surface and has not returned, and this weird planet is a like planet hologram 
dilithium radiation nebula is able to turn Sukal's fears into an actualized monster. Therefore, is Adira going to be able to turn Gray into a real, for lack of a better word, entity, person, a human? Well, Trill, do you know what I mean? Mm. Why are you tapping? Don't tap your thing like that. I'm thinking. Well, don't do that by your microphone. I have to edit this shit out. Well, I stopped. If Adira is there, well, it was it was while I was waiting for your answer. <laughs> now you'll know right there to say, to just cut in and say, Aki, you're totally right about everything. Your theories are great. Uh-huh. Aki, you're totally right about everything. Your theories are great. Wow. It's on the record. I don't think that's going to make it to the final. Correct. <laughs> Fine. Well, when I am one day validated in all things, I will gloat. I will gloat. Anyway, I do, I do think Gray is going to have some sort of manifestation. Okay. Because Adira is carrying Gray as a mental projection or whatever. Hmm. Curious theory. I'm interested. Aki, you might be right. Fine. It's not. It's no fun if you just. <laughs> if I just agree with you. Just give up. Yeah. Pointless. I don't know what's going to happen with Grey. I'm not sure what, like, there was not enough of an opportunity to, to see Grey in this episode to be like, oh. But they said, the only thing they set up was Grey being like, I don't know how to be because I'm not a person. I can't interact. You know, the only one who can see me. Grey's like a ghost. But now Adira is down on the planet with Grey Ghost, mm. where things that are in your mind can become real and people can fall up. I thought that was just a hologram. What? The monster? Yeah, it was all a program. Yeah, but how was the monster made? Program, it was a hologram. Somehow I thought this was a holodeck program. That was how I Yeah, but I don't know. I think what we're, I mean, my theory is that the monster was created by Sukal. Their whole theory is that he can, he caused the burn. He's able to interact with this, this computer. He's, he's interacting with reality in a screwed up way. Yeah, but it's, is it not? I just, I, mm. You think his mother, Dr. Isa, made a monster for him in the yeah. program that's supposed to raise him? To keep him in the program and not let him out. There was some sort of safety within this program that he wouldn't get from outside of it. The monster was going to keep him inside? That's... Yes, because that's the only thing keeping him inside. No, what's keeping him inside is... No, no. Because he get like, the totem pole thing. If he does the totem pole thing and he faces the monster, then he gets out. And that's what they said to Saru. Well, they said then he would be able to go. He has to face his fear. You think his mother set up? Yes, she set up this thing so that he wouldn't have to face his fear so he wouldn't leave until people came to get him. Am I right? I think no, I'm right. That seems I'm right. very yeah, I... in, in Kelpian, well, inhumane. Really? Mm, I think we'll find out next week that I'm right. And well, if you're right, right, then right. you're right. But if I'm right... Then I'm You get right. to be right a lot in this program. That's because I say every theory that's possible. That's true. That's the key. You got to really spread your theories out. <laughs> okay. I think it's time for quotes. Thank goodness. Quotable moments. What's the favorite quote? Mine was, you will not have this ship. Not now. Not never. No. Well, not ever. I, I wrote never. that one down. No. Well, you stole mine. 
I guess I could have All used right. the psychology one, but that one wasn't as dope as you'll know. You will not have the ship. You will not take the ship or anyone on it. Not now. Not ever now. Uh, otherwise, not a lot of crazy quotes. Uh, well, listen, it was a great episode. We have two episodes left. We might as well get into next time. Let's do it. Next time on Set Phasers. Excellent. Next time on Set Phasers, we will be discussing the penultimate episode of season three. Uh, it is entitled, this is confusing. <laughs> it is entitled The Good of the People, which I confused for episode three title, People of Earth, every time I try to read it. But it's entitled The Good of the People. It is directed by none other than Frakesy himself. So hopefully it will. I think that means that we're going to get a lot of fun fisticuffs and rah, battles and stuff like that on the ship. But I don't know. Um, so hopefully we'll see you here for the next two episodes because this, I don't, the season's going to end in, in catastrophe, heartbreak, or victory and heartbreak, I guess. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. If you enjoyed the program, you on can that just... positive note, well, listen, victory and heartbreak. That's how you keep them coming back. No one wants songs uh-huh. that are like, hey, everything worked out great. Okay. So thank you for joining us. If you enjoy the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live or as a podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. Steph is dancing and I'm trying to read copy. <laughs> Please <laughs> subscribe <laughs> and review us. All right, your turn. Yeah. Um, thank you. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Set Phasers Podcast. Uh, don't forget to f- feel free to follow us and join in the conversation of all things Trek. And you do the support us thing. If you <laughs> next week is our Netflix party. Oh, we haven't even discussed what we're going to watch. But if you want to support us on our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. Oh, and so, yes. Yeah, so next, if you sign up, then next week you get to be part of our, we're doing like a Netflix, Netflix party or whatever party. it's called, teleparty now. Um, watch party. We have lots of nerds join us. We watch an episode together. We comment on it. We just have a, a ball, really. We nerd out together. We usually wind up watching yeah. two episodes. <laughs> We're only supposed to do one. We almost every every time we're like, one more? We like to over-deliver. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what we'll watch. I don't know that we need to discuss this right now, but it's going to be something from Star Trek. Naturally. Well, until next time, probably next week, we'll figure it out. I'm Steph Mams. And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Mm-hmm.